Welcome to Failed Utopia, the podcast about utopian ideas and paradise lost. We look at utopian concepts of the past, present, and future, as well as utopian societies and communes, which promise the world to eager followers, but inevitably fail when it all starts to unravel. Failed Utopians, it's Anna, your cautiously hopeful podcast host. Today, let's get right to it. We're taking a look at Gloria Vale, a fundamentalist Christian cult, or we can call it a sect because this particular group is located in the beautiful country of New Zealand. For my American listeners, FYI, much of the rest of the English speaking world commonly calls cults sects. Fun fact. Uh, that's S-E-C-T, not S-E-X, in case my enunciation was subpar. I know my iPad got really confused about my script dictation on that one. Ooh, one more quick thing before we start. I almost forgot to say it. New Year. Yeah, any other year I'd be screaming, Happy New Year! Burping champagne bubbles into your face, blowing on one of those super annoying noisemakers. But not this year. This year, I'm just saying, New Year. If you're really excited about 2021, I'm happy for you. Like I said, I'm cautiously hopeful. Reluctantly melioristic, you might say. Yes, that was the vocabulary word from the last episode. Okay, on to Gloria Vale. Some episodes of this podcast contain disturbing or upsetting topics. Use your discretion for yourself and those around you. This won't be appropriate for kids. If you feel you need support, please find help through a crisis line, mental health professional, or a friend or family member. I have resources including crisis hotline phone numbers listed in the show notes. On a plot of 1,700 acres on the west shore of New Zealand's South Island, is an isolated farm and community nestled into a breathtaking green valley at the edge of a picturesque, sparkling blue lake. Over 500 people live here, and the community is growing, mostly from the inside due to a very high birth rate. Their lives revolve around their faith, families, and work. They sing and play religious music and put on elaborate Bible-based plays and performances. The community runs a farm, a dairy, and other successful businesses, making the community self-sufficient, keeping them as isolated as possible from the outside world. Why do they want to isolate themselves? Well, because they are the chosen ones, and the rest of us out here, well, we're downright evil. The group was founded in 1969 by Neville Cooper, a born-again Christian evangelist who moved from Australia to New Zealand and started what was then called the Springbank Christian Community near the city of Christchurch. Some outsiders took to calling the group the Cooperites after the founder's last name, but the group doesn't like that name. They call themselves Christians. 
Of course, Christians don't like them using that term, but that's what they are. All their beliefs are based on the Bible. In the 1990s, the group moved to the farm property in the Haupiri Valley on the West Coast, about 40 miles or an hour's drive over narrow mountain roads from the city of Greymouth. This became Gloria Vale, their new utopia. At some point, Neville Cooper changed his name to Hopeful Christian. And yes, the other community members also have really sweet names like Steady Stand True, Dove Love, Harmony Helpful, and my personal favorite, Pilgrim Overcomer. From time to time, Neville Cooper would have epiphanies, something that would be referred to among the church members as campaigns. At one point, he had an epiphany about names. As Neville Cooper became hopeful Christian, he entreated the rest of the community to change their names as well. Apparently, when Jesus called the disciples to follow him, he gave them new names to represent their new purpose. So that's why everyone in the community has these charming names like fervent and willing. Okay, so I'm not going to get too much into Christian theology here, but basically what you need to know about this is that Cooper preached a fundamentalist vision of Christianity. He was really into the New Testament and believed that obedience to God is where it's at. Oh, and also the little fact that he and his followers believe the second coming of Christ is imminent The world is literally about to end like now, and that the 500-ish people in Gloria Vale and a very select few other Christians they approve of, such as the Hutterites in the U.S., are going to heaven to live in mansions built by Jesus, and the several other billion people on the planet will be burning in hell. That's a lot of kindling. I guess I'll be seeing you at the big bonfire in hell. The Bon Hellfire, let's call it. Okay, so far, depending on your outlook, this place might not seem so bad, or at the very least, maybe just a small community of like-minded people who share a particular set of beliefs, albeit some beliefs that may lie a bit out of the mainstream. If they want to isolate themselves from the world and live as they choose between themselves and their God, who are we to say otherwise? I wish I could just leave it there and roll the outro music. Unfortunately, there's a little more to it than that. Trouble started pretty early on, way back in 1995, just as the group was transitioning to their new home in Gloria Vale, Neville Cooper was arrested and served a year in jail on sexual abuse charges. He'd been convicted of indecent sexual assault against three ex-Gloria Vale girls aged 12 to 19 years old. Naturally, Gloria Vale's leadership twisted the story into something their members would find palatable. They claimed that Neville's incarceration was persecution of the church, making a pedophile into a martyr of the church. That was all most Gloria Vale members knew about it, so they doubled down on their dedication and obedience to their leader, 
He even dictated letters of instruction to the community from his jail cell. Great, an isolated fundamentalist group with a sex predator at the helm and a flock of devoted followers giving absolute obedience, with no less than their eternal salvation at stake. Oh boy, failed utopians, we've seen this setup before, haven't we? What could go wrong? After a mere 11 months in jail, Cooper, aka Hopeful Christian, returned to the community and picked up right where he left off and served as the community's leader until he died from cancer in 2018. So, Cooper preached that the brothers and sisters at Gloria Vale were the chosen few, waiting for Jesus to come back and give them their eternal reward in heaven, while the rest of the world burns in hellfire. This sounds kind of arrogant to me, but the underlying principle is basically the same as any religion. They all think they have it right, and billions of other people on the planet are either stupid or worshiping a false god or evil or whatever. From time to time, I've come across certain spiritual or religiously-minded individuals who will say something to the effect of, everyone is just worshiping the same thing in their own way. Aw, that's sweet. Maybe it's sort of a PC thing to say, and it might be enough to explain away some of the differences between the Abrahamic religions and denominations, but beyond that, it makes absolutely no sense, and it's pretty patronizing because it's basically another way of saying, actually, you do believe in my God, you just don't recognize him or her or it as such. If people were really all worshipping some universal, um, higher power, let's call it, their religions wouldn't be completely different to the degree that they are. I mean, come on, if just a few of our options are an inscrutable sky god wielding the power of heaven and hell over sinners, magic underwear, and relocating to another planet when we die— chicken bones, grigri bags and voodoo dolls, engrams, auditing and thetans, polytheism, karma and reincarnation, enlightenment and nirvana, charms, potions, and ceremonial magic powered by Mother Nature, or we just live and then die decomposing into plant food, and none of it meant anything. Well, in that lineup, clearly if somebody's got it right, somebody else has it really really wrong. I'm sure you all have your own idea of who's who in that scenario. Anyway, however they rationalize it, the 500 or so Cooperites in Gloria Vale believe they are the only people on earth who have managed to figure out what God really wants. And apparently, God is a creepy, petty chauvinist. Makes sense. Gloria Vale residents live in communal buildings, sort of like dormitories, with a room or two per family. The community runs its own Christian school for a couple hundred kids. Children are given a religious education, including how dinosaurs were created at the same time as everything else in the Garden of Eden. 
There's even footage in one Gloria Vale documentary of a teacher explaining to a classroom full of teenagers how Noah fit the dinosaurs on the ark by selecting baby dinosaurs so they wouldn't be too large to fit on the boat. Can't argue with that logic. In the same documentary, there's footage of the sort of great room of the community where they have their meals and community events. It features an amazing mural that goes all the way around the room, depicting a beautiful, idyllic Garden of Eden, including a massive statue of a dinosaur with, I think, someone riding it, like in a saddle. I'm not sure why they're so into this dinosaur thing, but obviously the point is, well, they're hardcore creationists. So at Gloria Vale, their lives are, of course, religious in the extreme. They're also very old-fashioned. They stick to traditional gender roles and take it even further, compounded by their fundamentalist Christian beliefs. Men, of course, are the heads of household and the community overall, and what they say is law. The strict hierarchy of dominance of men over their wives and children is enforced by coercive control, brainwashing, and physical violence. A group of about 20 men form the leadership of the community, and they decide pretty much everything for members, including where someone will live and work and who they marry. Women are subservient in all respects, and a wife is in 100% subjugation to her husband, which is even more awkward given that marriages are arranged, and the parties involved believe that God himself personally chose the person for them to marry. Yeah, try arguing with that. Young men and women are kept strictly apart before marriage. Once their marriage is arranged, they are allowed to start a courting process, which is about a month long and involves structured activities with chaperones, including family meals for them to get to know one another's parents. The day a young man proposes is frequently the very first time that he and his bride-to-be have ever spoken. They never even touch before their wedding day. There are no divorces and no contraception, so they have as many children as possible, frequently 10 or more. In fact, the community has one of the highest birth rates in the world. Of course, the rationale is that every child is a literal gift from God, and that if he wants you to have a child, he'll just give you one. They'll even say there's nothing they can do to get pregnant. It's God. Everyone in the community works, not for money, but for the mutual good. Men's and women's work is largely kept separate, with the men being trained in agriculture, engineering, construction, and trades. And the women are relegated to cooking, cleaning, sewing, and of course, childcare. They also have the ladies wear these very shapeless and unflattering dark blue muumuu dresses with bibs and these little doll-like white collars, and then a handkerchief-looking thing goes over their head. It's hard to describe, but just from a common-sense perspective, if they want people to reproduce more, you'd think these puke-inducing nightgown frocks and thick-soled white grandpa shoes would be the first thing to go. But what do I know? 
The men also wear a uniform of sorts, but they actually don't look too terrible. In fact, their young men look more or less like Mormon missionaries. Clean-cut, button-down shirts, sweet, dopey grins. Not bad. Fashion review aside, there are a couple of substantive things to say about the uniforms. The handkerchief I mentioned that covers the woman's head is a symbol of her subjugation to men. People argue quite a bit about what the hijab really means to women of the Islamic faith, but here there's no ambiguity. Putting on a head covering is specifically designed as a reminder to Glory Avail's women of their place and what they're there for. And I'm not exaggerating, that's not my opinion, that's literally word for word how they describe it. The group's goal is to follow gender roles as described in the Bible as they see it. They're very adamant that this includes certain specific things like men having short hair, women having long hair, and both sexes dressing modestly or, in the women's case, deliberately unattractive and frumpy as hell. The basic idea behind the social engineering and lifestyle at Gloria Vale is to mirror life in heaven, according to their website. Well, I'll be honest, if that's what heaven looks like, I would be overjoyed to see you all at that Bon Hell fire I was just mentioning, because that sounds a lot less miserable. But that's just me. Call me crazy, but I like to have a good time, and working all day in the bone meal pellet factory or riding my bike around a lake in my bibbed moo stone sober ain't it. So while the community's social practices and appearances seem like they'd be more at home a couple hundred years ago, or even a couple thousand, they do not avoid modern technology. Just in case you were picturing like an Amish community or something like that, they make use of modern agricultural construction and medical practices. In fact, Gloria Vale is a huge success in this respect. Their thriving businesses, including the farms and dairy and many other entrepreneurial endeavors, do sustain the community as a self-sufficient ecosystem. Community members aren't paid for their labor, of course, but the income goes into a trust fund that keeps the entire community afloat and provides for all of their needs. This is an area that causes many alternative communities to fail, and Gloria Vale has made it work. They do also use computers to help with the bookkeeping and running of their businesses, but the internet is forbidden, and the community leaders censor any media from the outside, including books, newspapers, and movies. Outside music is a no-go. Basically, contact with the outside world is very tightly controlled by community leadership. Unfortunately, an isolated community under this much control by a few men with concentrated power is a recipe for abuse. Over the years, those who made the extreme decision to leave their entire life, their entire world behind at Gloria Vale, well, they have some stories to tell. Stories of violence, beatings, sexual abuse, and rape. 
And of course, that's not to mention what many consider to be forced marriages, what I referred to earlier as arranged marriages. There are so many disturbing stories about Neville Cooper and Gloria Vale, and they go back decades. If the commission of crimes is known and survivors who left the community are willing to speak out, I have to wonder why the government and law enforcement has never put a stop to it. Well, that's a tough nut to crack. We can ask ourselves the same thing about many religious communities. For those of us who live in secular countries with a division between church and state and freedom to practice any religion, law enforcement and government can be extremely reluctant to intervene in any type of religious practice, even when it goes against norms of society or even laws. The other situation this really reminded me of is the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the United States. The polygamist group's infamous leader, Warren Jeffs, was eventually convicted of child sexual assault and sent to prison for life in 2011, but only after many decades of abuse and horror a living hell for the hundreds, perhaps even thousands of victims caught in the cult's trap. This is an old problem without easy answers, but an individual's right to be free from victimization in the name of religion depends largely on where in the world you live, and clearly, even living in a free and secular society like the U.S. or New Zealand, for example, isn't necessarily a golden ticket in this regard. Apparently, police have looked into Gloria Vale from time to time, and at some point in 2018, it was reported that police were concerned enough to make daily checks at the compound. Imagine law enforcement being so concerned that they would spare the resources to travel to the remote community every single day to make sure everyone was okay. Apparently, there's some ongoing investigations, but it doesn't seem like there's been much action, and it's been slower than a snail in molasses. I am aware of a couple cases that have gone public and into the court system due to ex-members outside Gloria Vale being bound and determined to get the authorities to take some action and protect their family and loved ones still stuck inside. I'll put links to some information about those situations in the show notes. It may also be hard for us to understand why anyone would stay there even after being mistreated or raped or beaten or whatever. And clearly not everyone is abused, but we have to try to imagine what it's like to be part of such an insular community. They aren't just a close-knit religious community, and it's hard enough to leave one of those. No, to many members, Gloria Vale is literally their whole world. Like I said earlier, most of the community's growth is from the inside, just a few families growing exponentially as each generation produces 10 or 12 children per woman. A person's entire large family is likely at the Gloria Vale compound. Most members rarely or never leave the compound. They don't know much about the outside world, except they've been taught, usually from birth, that it's just pure evil. 
And maybe worst of all, they've been taught to believe that if they leave Gloria Vale, they'll miss the second coming and burn in hell forever, while their family moves on to paradise without them. That's not a small thing when you're a Christian. The community is their life, their family, their work, their religion, and their salvation. And let's face it, on top of being ill-prepared for life on the outside, there's the legitimate fear of how the outside world sees them. Those of us on the outside don't look kindly on cults, and it can be hard to see their members as victims instead of gullible, brainwashed wackos. So no, that wouldn't be an appealing place to run if you're thinking of getting out, but knowing you'll be stigmatized and judged. Many who have run from Gloria Vale over the years struggle mightily trying to live in the outside world alone. One of Neville Cooper's sons, Michael, ran away from the community when he was 16, and he really struggled. He eventually killed himself. At the funeral, another one of his siblings who had left Gloria Vale told a journalist that their father wouldn't care what had happened to Michael because that type of thing was the expected result for those who left Gloria Vale for the evil outside world. I think we can definitely call that brainwashing when someone is born into an extreme community, never sees the outside world for what it is, and is taught that if they ever leave the community, they might as well just die. People who leave are excommunicated. It's not like they can just come back and visit their family back at the compound whenever they want. They'll be turned away or even beaten up and thrown out by some accounts. They can't even attend the funerals of family members who die at Gloria Vale. It's interesting because when people who are a part of the Gloria Vale community die, their life is celebrated and they all believe that they'll see the deceased individual soon. As soon as Christ comes back, which should be any day now, they'll all be together in heaven soon. But for the family members who leave, they believe they'll never see them again because those people won't be going to heaven. They'll be burning in hell for eternity. So family members who are still alive but outside the community are perceived more as being dead and gone than the people who are actually dead. So is Gloria Vale just a horrible nightmarish misery factory? No. Not in the least. It's a community full of sweetness and love and family, but that's what makes the betrayal so heartbreaking. No one deserves to be brainwashed, controlled, or abused, and especially not by the people they love and trust. And I don't even know what to say about the many members at Gloria Vale who are actually completely happy with their lives. They believe that their way of life is the truth and the way and God's will. So if they never really had a choice about what to believe, are they victims or, I mean, what does it really even mean if they say they're happy to accept their lives as they are if they've been indoctrinated? If they are happy with their lives, it's not like somebody can just show up and tell them it's not real. 
especially if their deeply held convictions are religious in nature. But, I mean, there were hundreds of people at Jonestown who said they were happy and truly believed what Jim Jones preached right up until they, well, died. One of the more well-known and outspoken ex-Gloria Vale residents is Lilia Tarawa. Lilia is the granddaughter of Gloria Vale's founder, Neville Cooper, and she ran from the cult with some other family members when she was 18. In 2018, she gave a TED Talk at TEDx Christchurch, which went on to become a wildly popular TED Talk, raking in over 10 million views. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. As soon as you finish this episode of Failed Utopia, switch over to YouTube and give it a listen. It's only 20 minutes, and it is incredible. She does an amazing job of laying out exactly how Gloria Vale embodies the ideals of Utopia, and also everything that makes it a complete failure. In fact, the title of her TED Talk is I Grew Up in a Cult. It was heaven and it was hell. She talks about the violence and abuse that she witnessed and experienced growing up in the cult. Lilia is so unbelievably charming and funny and heartfelt. And let's be honest, I just love her Kiwi accent. Some of what she talks about is wrenching, but if you choose to watch it, I don't think you'll regret it. There's a link in the show notes for when you're done here. She also has a book called Daughter of Gloria Vale, My Life in a Religious Cult, Here's a review left on the book's Google Books page by an anonymous user. Oh, this is in all caps, by the way. Wannabe celebrity. There is no cult at Gloria Vale. There never has been. This is a story about Lilia wants to sell her story to get rich. There is no story to sell. So you falsely use the word cult to grab attention for books to fly off the shelves. Gloria Vale, like the Amish, may have a problem with rules or legalism, but there's nothing else going on there. Just go to a non-legalistic church instead of trying to get rich quick. This book is not worth reading, and there is no cult there either. (laughs) Uh, yeah, sounds completely sane and reasonable to me. No brainwashing here. But remember, everyday members at Gloria Vale aren't allowed to access the internet. So I can only really assume this must have been written by someone in the leadership circle at Gloria Vale trying very clumsily to do some damage control. And here's a review from an unsatisfied Amazon customer. You can tell it was written by a millennial. <laughs> I'm not really too sure how the story of growing up in an isolated, abusive cult relates to the millennial generation in particular, but I guess the fact that the author falls between the ages of, like, 23 and 38 is pretty offensive. (laughs) FYI, it's actually a really good book. A few documentaries have also been made about Gloria Vale over the years, if that interests you. And it's actually pretty amazing to see interviews and footage from inside the commune. A few documentarians and journalists have gone to great effort, sometimes years-long efforts, to gain unprecedented access to the secretive group and their members to conduct interviews. 
Now, some of these documentaries have gotten blowback for being too sympathetic to the group, but keep in mind it's up to the group to provide access as much or as little as they choose. So, just watch with the awareness that this is how they act when they're on camera. And of course, they see it as an opportunity to promote their group and defend themselves from accusations of, well, being a cult. Now, last but not least, a website review. Yes, Gloria Vale has its own website, and you know what? It's a pretty decent site for a group that doesn't use the internet much. It's at gloriavale.org.nz, and there's quite a bit here, but I'm just going to go through and give you a few of the highlights. Um, one of the best things on here, honestly, is the photos. If you're curious about those uniforms that I tried to describe, um, just pop onto their site. There's a few pictures right here on the homepage. Okay, so let's check out their hello and welcome statement. And I actually already told you a little bit about this, but I'm going to read the paragraph that talks about how their life supposedly mirrors life in heaven. Um, here goes. We seek to live a practical Christian life that mirrors life in heaven, where there is perfect obedience to God, complete unity of thought, no self-will, no argument or strife, and no sin. We consider ourselves to have been born again into God's family, and as God's children, we honor God as our Father and Jesus as our Lord and brother. In fact, the whole community operates as a huge family. So yeah, that tells you a lot of what you need to know, I guess. No self-will, no argument, complete unity of thought. Ugh, that's a nice way of saying brainwashing, isn't it? Anyway, let's move on to some FAQs. Okay, on the FAQ page, one of the questions is, why do your women wear head coverings? Um, which we talked about a little bit, but here's what they say, and they're very unapologetic about it, surprisingly. I think they know that this is a controversial point, but here's what they say. Head coverings such as scarves are worn as a sign to the angels that a woman has placed herself into submission to the authority of the man. Ah, oh, then there's a long Bible passage, which I'm just going to skip over. Sorry. <laughs> it has been the custom among Christian people for centuries for men to remove their hats when entering a place of worship and for women to have their heads covered. Only in the last century did these traditions start to change with the fashions of the world, but the scriptural basis for it is something we acknowledge and obey. In the same chapter of Corinthians, yes, the one I just skipped, we are taught that men should have short hair while the women should grow their hair long. So apparently, this is all laid out clearly in the Bible. So that's that. Um, there's some information that uh, people who know a little bit more about the Bible than I do will probably be interested in. They talk about which Bible translations they use and all of that. Um, I also learned from this page that they have a book called What We Believe, and it's sort of like a Cliff's Notes of their interpretation of the Bible. So for anyone who really wanted to get into the religious side of it, uh, I'm sure that would be pretty fascinating, but mm, yeah, I'm not going to read it. 
Um, oh, here's an interesting one. What do you call yourselves? And the answer is Christians. While many other groups have accepted nicknames or derogatory names made up by those outside the church, we refuse to do so and refer to ourselves only as Christians. Our churches and communities are named for the local district or property on which they are found, just as the New Testament does, with examples such as the church which was at Jerusalem or the church of Ephesus. Ephesus? I don't know how to pronounce that. Embarrassing. They talk a little bit about taxes, medical care, and the media. All right, here they have an entire section on sects and cults. Again, that's S-E-C-T. The question on the page is, are you a sect or a cult? They say neither, and then get into semantics about what the word sect means, which all of you smart listeners probably know the general meaning of the word is just a group that's branched off from the main body of some religion and sort of gone their own way, formed their own branch. Okay, so they have a whole page if you click through on that. And it's, you know, very obvious that they're used to these accusations about how they're a cult. They don't see themselves that way. But obviously, we do. Um, it's Honestly, there's a lot here, and it's just like in this horrible giant block in outline format. Like each point has an A, B, C, D, and E. Uh, It's it's not very convincing. (laughs) I'm just letting you know that it's there. And they do seek to defend themselves from the cult label. Okay, and at the very bottom of their FAQ page, this may be the best part of the whole website, Is there a way for teenagers to voice their opinion within the community? Interesting. I guess they get that question a lot. Here's the answer. Yes. They can speak their opinions to their parents, to their teachers, and to any other adults in positions of authority as long as they do so respectfully. In fact, they are often encouraged to do so. Having said that, I would comment that teenagers naturally tend to have an exaggeratedly high opinion of themselves, of what they know, of their own wisdom and experience of life, and of their ability to perceive things the way they actually are. Our parents and adults always try to help children and students to bridge those gaps in their knowledge and understanding of life and of what happens out in the outside world so that they can make informed decisions themselves and so that they can better appreciate the thinking and the caring that has gone into decisions that affect them. Also, we do not allow politicking, by which we mean agitation, forming a pressure group, or organizing opposition against the leadership in order to get one's own way. That is not the way of Christ and was never acceptable in Bible days. The New Testament teaches that the powers that be are ordained of God. The right way to plead your cause if you feel that you or yours are badly done by is to do so privately and respectfully, putting your trust in God and being willing to have your request turned down. Think of how many times you don't get your own way in the family because of the needs of others. 
Our family has more than 500 people in it, and they are all entitled to the same privileges when it can be organized. Teenagers always have the option of asking a trusted and respected older one to advocate for them. Holy smokes, you guys. So, I don't know. I mean, make of that what you will. (laughs) I think it's particularly interesting how they emphasize the role of parents and adults in explaining to the teenagers what happens in the outside world. One, obviously, they are not being told the truth. And two, the adults in this community have no idea what's going on out in the real world. Even the generation who are parents now frequently were born in the cult. They've never lived in the outside world. They have no idea what's going on out there. Okay, the unidentified writer of this stuff is a little spicy at times, but generally the information on the website is much lower octane than what I've gleaned from interviews with their members and basically every other source that I looked at. The site is very light on the hellfire and brimstone. Generally speaking, their beliefs seem to be all based around Christ's second coming and the fact that it's going to be here any day now. That's not really on the website. So I think that they understand for PR purposes to tone it down. Okay, and then here I am on their beliefs page, a brief summary of our beliefs. So the very first section, salvation. All people are born with the natural inclination to sin. Despite what humanism may teach, the nature of mankind is not to do good, but to do evil. We live in an age when the teachings of evolution and humanism have taken away most people's understanding of sin, and new editions of the dictionary do not even list the word. Let's see God's views on the subject. <laughs> and then it, you know, goes into some a few quotes from scripture and just a super long, boring, pompous multiple paragraphs. But guys, let's fact check this dictionary thing. Is the word sin in the dictionary? Let's find out. Okay, here we are. I've navigated to miriamwebster.com in my handy dandy web browser, and I'm typing in the word sin. Let's see what it says. Ooh, ta-da! Here it is. Sin. There's not only a 1, A, B, and C, a 2, A, and B, but there's also noun and verb definitions. So I'm pretty sure the dictionary is still aware of the word. I'm looking right at it. What does it say? An offense against religious or moral law and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, and of course it's Also in here as an abbreviation of sign, obviously the mathematical term. Maybe that's what got him riled up. Anyway, the rest of this page is about judgment, repentance, forgiveness, baptism, and being born again. So anyway, that's just a little bit of the fun stuff on this website. It's full of gems. It's full of great pictures. I'll put a link in the show notes. I've referred to Gloria Vale here as a failed utopia, but unlike many of the communities I've talked about on this podcast, they haven't imploded. They're still going strong. 
probably mostly because of their high birth rate, I don't think too many new people are coming to join them. But I want to know what you think. Are they in fact just a community of like-minded people living the way they choose despite the negative stories from disgruntled ex-members and outsiders who don't understand their faith? Or is this whole thing just a slow-motion train wreck that hasn't completely derailed yet? Should we be worried that this could turn into another death cult like Jonestown if threats from the outside keep closing in? Or do you think anything could be different now that the Elder Cooper has died? Could the group ever become less extreme? I'd love to know your thoughts, and that's it for this episode of Failed Utopia. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help other people find it. Tell your friends about it, and if you want to support the pod directly and help keep new episodes coming, you can donate to the show through the link in the show notes. Connect and stay in the loop on the website, failedutopia.com, or the Facebook page at Failed Utopia Pod. Failed Utopia episodes are written and produced by me, Anna Roberts. The burning palm tree painting featured on the cover is by artist Harry Vasquez. My intro music is by Elliot Middleton. See you next time. <laughs>